TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. The Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. It is 1106 here at WILK. When I heard about this book being written by Matt Brookbeck, I said to him, this is going to be a sensation in northeastern Pennsylvania because the life we chose... William Big Billy D'Elia and the Last Secrets of America's Most Powerful Mafia Family features Northeastern Pennsylvania, warts and all. So it is really my pleasure to welcome Matt to our show this morning on WILK. Hi, Matt. Hi, Sue. It's so great to talk to you. I am uh, really very, very impressed with the work that you've done here. And, you know, Matt, the, the mafia is part of American history. And the characters in this book were woven into some of the most important moments in the history of America. Yeah, you could, we could thank um, Billy D'Elia for that. Um, you know, he had been uh, with Russell Buffalino for so many years, starting in the mid-1960s. And then he ran the family himself from 1994 on. And I think it, you know, it's amazing. Uh, it was amazing to me just how well connected he actually was because there really isn't much written about Billy, whether, you know, online or even with law enforcement. Law enforcement had always thought he had been just a driver until much later. So um, Billy really opened my eyes and really paved the way to write this book. And now talk about your relationship with him. How did you How did you get close to him and... And how, convince him to speak to you about this story. I didn't. I didn't have to convince him. He um, he had an associate reach out to me in August of 2020. I got an anonymous email, and it's one of those emails that you know, as a journalist, that you get, and you just you know, your jaw drops. Because I had covered Billy um, back in the early 2000s, like 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Um, when I was a newspaper reporter and I was covering the whole casino gambling situation here in Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, it was many years later. So I knew about Billy. I knew about his relationship with people up um, in the Scranton area. Um, so when I got the email, I also knew, though, that he had, my understanding was he had never spoken to law enforcement uh, about various things that Russell Buffalino had been involved in and things that even Billy had been involved in. So I knew he was important. And, you know, so we met um, at a restaurant a couple weeks later in Wilkes-Barre, and, you know, we agreed to talk. Only it took about three or four months for both of us to really feel comfortable with each other. 
you know. It was really, it was harder for Billy because he had never spoken to anyone before. He had never even, much less a, you know, a member of the media or a writer. So um, it, took a little, it took a little while to get going, but um, once we got going, it just, you know, the stories, they just, they just flowed, and we ended up talking for well over a year and a half. Did it feel like a, a confession or no? No, it wasn't, it wasn't a confession. Bill um, was very, very, very close to Russell Buffalino. He considered him his father. And he was not happy with Russell's portrayal in the film The Irishman. And he also knew that the story that Frank Sheeran had told was fiction. And so, you know, Billy's in his mid-70s, mid and he wanted to get some stuff off his chest, and he wanted to straighten the record. And um, I was fortunate that they had reached out to me. And uh, he, he, the, the consideration of, of Russell Buffalino as his father, Matt, is that's an amazing part of this book where uh, Russell Buffalino uh, shakes his hand and suddenly sees him around and, and begins to trust him, trust him because Billy Delia's father, I mean, and, and Billy Delia says it himself in this book, man, he was brutal. Yeah, the, um, you know, I'm not going to get into it yeah. in specifics, but the, mo the book op opens up with a pretty tough scene. And, you know, as far as Billy and his own father go, it, it's just, it goes downhill from there. And so, you know, by the time he meets Russell in his late teens, you know, 20 years old or so, um, you know, he's open to a relationship with someone who's much older than him, who's also going to teach him. Um, but in this case, it was, you know, teaching him how to be a member of organized crime. Um, but Billy, you know, Billy wasn't born into this. Billy was a student, you know, he had graduated high school. He was a student. He was in the army reserve. You know, it was just, it was, a. he had, um, basically installed an eight track tape, one of those old eight track, eight track tapes in Russell's car. And he went to go drop it off for him at a luncheonette up there and they met and that was it. And then, you know, they were together for the next almost 30 years. Now, now, some parts of this, Matt, it show that Russell Buffalino puts demands on Billy Delia to try to gain his trust and prove that uh, Billy is a loyalist to him. And some uh, his Billy Delia's family, I, I can't imagine being there and seeing what they saw because he, at a drop of a hat, no matter what day of the week it was. He would be at Russell Buffalino's beck and call. Yeah, he was very, very loyal um, to Russell, and like I said, you know, he considered him his father. You know, he was a protege, um, and also his father. But you know, you have to re you have to remember as you read the book, Russell opened this incredible world um, to Bill. I mean, even though we're talking about organized crime, we're talking about a world where you're not just meeting other gangsters and high level gangsters, for that matter. You're meeting, you know, icons in entertainment and in sports. I mean, imagine going to a restaurant in the early 1970s in Wilkes Bar, and you know, uh, Johnny Unitas is there to meet with Russell, you know, the Hall of Fame quarterback, Baltimore Colts quarterback, you know, or uh, imagine going into a restaurant in Florida and being introduced to Jimmy Hoffa. Um, you know, Billy was given entree into a world that he never, ever, ever would have been given had it not been for Russell. And, you know, in return, Billy was devoted to him and remained devoted to him until, until Russell's death. 
Yes, and uh, Matt, the the story of the making of of The Godfather by Paramount Pictures, a lot of people who live here have talked about, uh, you know, how they thought this all transpired, but your book kind of lays it out that uh, Russell Buffalino had a hand not only in getting that movie made because there was all kinds of uh, backlash behind the scenes problems with this, but in actually being an influential figure to Marlon Brando and, and Brando kind of taking up some of the mannerisms of Russell Buffalino uh, to portray the Godfather in the movie. Yes, I, I touched on that in when I wrote The Quiet Don in 2013. Only, you know, with Bill, this is a first-hand account. I mean, Billy was there, you know, so you're not going to get anything better than that. And, you know, it was remarkable. I mean, you know, there's a scene where Billy picks up a phone. They're at one of Russell's dress factories up in northeast PA, and he picks up the phone, and, you know, a guy says he's Marlon Brando calling for Russell. And, Billy says, hey, there's some guy on the phone here says he's Marlon Brando, you know, and Russell goes, give me that phone, and it was Marlon Brando, you know, <laughs> so it was really, it was a funny scene, and, um, but you, to see, you know, Russell, Russell's influence and power was, I mean, you can't understate it, it was just so enormous going back to the 1950s, um, you know, with Cuba, he had casinos in Cuba, you know, he had gone toe-to-toe with Bobby Kennedy during the rackets hearings in the late 50s. He had the dress factories in Northeast PA. And, you know, of course, he had the ties to the Teamsters Union. You know, William Buffalino, his cousin, he had placed them there in the 1940s. And William became general counsel to the Teamsters. So between William and Russell's uh, relationship with Jimmy Hoffa, it gave him just immense, immense power. Um, so, you know, to see him hold sway over what's going on with the Godfather and to get the actual first-hand account from it, from Bill, you know, to me, was just, you know, a great addition to the story. Yeah, and the Al Martino was uh, Russell Buffalino's friend and he wanted him in the movie and there was uh, resistance to that. But at the end of the day, who ends up in the movie? Yeah, and there were a couple of other people there, too. In fact, there were a lot of members of the Buffalino family that were part of that whole project. And, um, you know, plus... You know, they, um, Billy said that they entertained James Kahn almost every day, that James Kahn basically lived with them. Um, so it's, you know, it was, it's new information on an old subject, um, but even, you know, 50 years later, but it's, um, it's entertaining. It sure is. And to me, as, as somebody who likes to watch human behavior, Russell Buffalino as, as you mentioned, Cuba, he had a business interest in a casino in Cuba, right? And then he had dress factories, and he had, you know, gambling, or as they say now, Matt, to make it PC, gaming interests all over. He really was, it, it seemed like this guy never slept. He had so many different things going on. He was like Donald Trump before there was a Donald Trump kind of. At the height, at the height of his power in the mid-1970s, Russell was in control of three families. Um, the Magadino family in Buffalo, his own family, and the Genovese family in New York. Um, I had asked Billy, you know, we were maybe six months into talking, and I had asked Billy, I said, was Russell ever on the commission? They have that mafia commission that oversees everything. 
and he says Russell wasn't on the commission. He said Russell was above the commission. And, you know, that just, you know, uh, attested to the to the power and influence that Russell had uh, over organized crime. In many places, too. You know, he was in he was in New York a couple days a week. He was in Buffalo, Cuba, all over the place, which is quite remarkable, especially in that day and age when there was less ability to communicate on devices. It just seems remarkable to me what he managed to be in charge of. Yeah, and so, you know, with Billy, Billy gives a, Billy, the story, you know, aside from being a father-son story between Billy and Russell, um, you know, you see Billy's growth. You know, Billy is a, an observer through the first part, portion of the book. You know, he's kind of like a fly on the wall. He's driving Russell here, taking Russell there. And, you know, it's through that that you see these remarkable stories and meetings with remarkable people. And you also get an inside look at the, this meeting that occurred um, involving um, the individuals that were involved in the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. And then later, when Russell goes to prison in the late 1970s and into the 1980s, you see Billy become the participant. And then Billy becomes this extremely powerful figure in his own right. And it's something that I don't think law enforcement had a clue about. I mean, they thought that he had been rising up a bit in the ranks of the Buffalino family, but they had no idea that he was the de facto head of the family while Russell was in prison. Uh, Matt, if you could hang out during the break, I do want to talk about Billy D'Elia and Michael Jackson, because that that is also a remarkable part of this book, if you don't mind. Can you hang out? Sure. Yep. We appreciate that. This is Matt Birkbeck. He is the author of the new book, came out yesterday, believe it or not. We've been talking about it for a long time among ourselves, but it's out. The Life We Chose, William Big Billy D'Elia. And the last secrets of America's most powerful mafia family. You are listening to WILK. Stay tuned. Eleven twenty-three at WILK. This is Matt Birkbeck. He has written a new book, which many people in northeastern Pennsylvania are talking about: the life we chose. William Big Billy Delia and the last secrets of America's most powerful. Mafia family. Matt, I, I do want to talk about uh, Billy D'Elia, his arrest and his uh, testimony in uh, front of a grand jury, uh, which happens near the end of the book. But I, I can't stop. I have to ask you about uh, Billy D'Elia becoming a co-manager for rock star Michael Jackson. This is wild, isn't it? Uh, it was, and it, it involved, it was one of several stories involving Donald Trump um, that are in the book. Uh so, as Billy told it, and this is this was you know kind of many months after we started talking, and you know he, we were both very very comfortable with each other, and um, you know Billy was just speaking freely, and you know he just popped this one out and said that um, Donald Trump had wanted Michael Jackson to perform in Atlantic City, and this was in 1988. Only Jackson's manager, his name was Frank DeLeo, and he was a music industry guy who later went to play uh, Tootie in the film Goodfellas. He was the cab stand owner. So if anyone has seen that movie, they'll know who I'm talking about. Anyway, they tell Trump no. Trump doesn't end around and goes to these two heavyweight gangsters on the West Coast. And they in turn, and, they, and Trump offers them a million dollars, and they in turn go to 
Jackson's manager, and they basically threaten him and say that, you know, Jackson's going to perform at the casino. So he, the manager, DeLeo, has um, contacts in Pittsburgh, and he reaches out to them, um, organized crime contact, and they in turn go to Billy. And then there's this big meeting in the city in New York um, at a hotel, and Billy's there, and these two um, other organized crime figures from L.A. show up, and they see Billy, and they know Billy, and they know that's it, the gig's up. So Billy tells him, no, it's not happening. They offer him half the Trump money. Billy says, absolutely not. They leave dejected. Frank DeLeo, the manager, is ecstatic. Only Billy turns around to him and says, no, this isn't over yet. I'm now your partner. And Billy became Michael Jackson's co-manager, and he toured with um, Jackson. That was the bad tour in 1988. And Billy went on tour with him, and he spent some time with Michael Jackson. And, you know, they had a number of, diff- they had a number of talks and discussions, you know, backstage, and, you know, Billy liked him. And he didn't like his father, but he did like uh, Jackson. But it was, a, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty remarkable story. But as we get to this point in time in the late 1980s, it was par for the course with Billy because you're seeing him interact with all these different names, whether it's entertainment, whether it's politics, and, you know, of course, organized crime. So Billy was, you know, at that point in time, Billy was a very powerful figure. Indeed. And uh, near the end of the book, you do talk about, uh, which may surprise people, for the first time in his life, on May 31st, 2006, Billy was arrested. Wow, what a run, right? Yeah, so he um, you know, he got caught up, caught up in his um, money laundering scheme. Um, and, you know, there's a big uh, law enforcement presence when he's arrested. And then he's basically forced to testify before a grand jury in the Louis de Naples case. Um, only what he did was, when he testified, he didn't, want, he didn't say anything out of school. He just didn't want to perjure himself, you know, because the government already knew the answers to the questions that they were asking, like, you know, did you know Louis de Naples? How long did you know him? Did you do business with him? They already knew the answers. So Billy just told him about his relationship um, with de Naples. Other law enforcement agencies had wanted, and this was another reason why I wanted to talk to Bill. I mentioned this earlier, but other law enforcement agencies across the country wanted to talk to Billy. Um, New York City Terrorism Task Force, Homeland Security, Secret Service, and of course the FBI. They wanted to talk to him about Hoffa. And Billy wouldn't talk to anyone. He just, you know, they came to see him and they left dejected. So, you know, what you read in the book now is the first time he's ever disclosing uh, any of this information. And, uh, of course, all this leads to a, a falling out with uh, Louis de Naples for sure, right? Yeah, well, I think the falling out happened when the, um, when the state passed um, its gaming legislation in 2004, I think it was, and de Naples had his eyes on a casino, which became Mount Airy. And he did not, as, you know, as I write the book, you know, he had to go through a background investigation, and, you know, he tried to carve Billy out of his life. And it was very, very difficult trying to carve someone out of your life that you had known for 30, 40 years. Um, I knew that they were close. I just didn't know how close they were. Like, their families had been very close. Um, and so it was very disappointing, not just to Billy, but also to Billy's wife, that, you know, the Naples family turned their backs on them. Um, and Billy believes it led to his it ultimately led to his arrest and his incarceration. So, yeah, there was some bad blood, and it got to the point where Billy believed that the Naples was trying to have Billy killed, 
because they did not, when the Naples got arrested, they did not want Billy testifying before, you know, at a preliminary hearing. Um, and that's when the Supreme Court stepped in and stopped the entire matter, which was a real surprise at that time. And that was something I had covered when I was a newspaper reporter. Um, and then as I write in the book, there were folks, when Billy was in prison, there were folks that Billy knew, organized crime figures and other, otherwise, who, uh, who, who liked Billy and were upset over what was going on and knew what was going on, and they actually asked for a contract to kill the Naples, and Billy said no. So, you know, there was a lot of bad blood uh, between them at the time, and, um, you know, Billy wasn't, Billy wasn't afraid to share it. Finally. Uh, Billy D'Elia didn't think much about uh, the prosecution of Michael Conahan, the Luzerne County judge in the Kids for Cash stan- scandal. Yeah, they. I think that's because they were very close. Uh, Bill, you know, as I wrote in the book, Billy and and Conahan had met at a Perkins up there a couple times a week. They'd have breakfast, and Billy defended him and saying that he had nothing to do with it. Um, but he does say in the book that he didn't know about it, and I believe that Conahan was the president judge, so just even knowing about it is not a good thing as these things go. Um, so, but, you know, listen, Billy, there's one thing I learned about Bill, and that is he's very old school, and he's very, very loyal to people. I mean, you know, beyond loyal. And Conahan was one of his close friends, and he'll, you know, he'll back him for as long as, you know, as long as he can. I mean, he does that. I saw that with, you know, other people um, that were part of his life. And if you were close to Bill, um, you know, you were his friend for life. Well, his uh, his quote-unquote father certainly instilled that in, in him, Matt, I would, I would say, with Russell Buffalino. That was probably something that was uh, most important to learn from him. Yeah, that was one of the life lessons, um, you know, to be loyal. Uh, and and even trustworthy, and it was something that I found, you know, I liked about Bill. It was something I, I didn't know, you know, I did not know Billy D'Elia. I did, I had never met him before. I was actually a bit, you know, nervous, so to speak, in a way where all I knew about him was what I read in the papers and what I had covered. Um, and then after a while, when you get to know him, and you know, we got more comfortable with each other. Um, and you could see what he was about, you know. Listen, he never, he never apologized for his life. You know, he said he he, he chose his life and he'd do it again. You know, uh, he had no regrets. Um, but when it came to life lessons that he learned from Russell Buffalino, um, you know, he instilled them in him, and he has them to this day. Now, uh, my last question: Has he had any feedback with you about this book? Oh, Bill. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just came out yesterday, <laughs> so, and apparently the, you know, it's, we're on, you know, the, the book is actually doing very well. It's on bestseller lists on Barnes & Noble and Amazon, and apparently the Barnes & Nobles up in that area have sold out. Wow. Um, so it's selling, you know, it's selling very well, and, you know, the, the feedback, I'm not sure exactly if he's gotten any feedback yet, you know, folks are probably reading but, it now. But and, from Bill, did he yeah, give you anything? So he'll probably... He'll hear about it. You know, he'll probably hear some more about it by the weekend. Okay, so he, he has, did you give him an advanced copy of the book or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I still, you know, I still see Bill um, and talk to him. And, um, you know, uh, he, he, had, he, re- he read the book. I mean, Billy was, Billy was, you know, part of this along the way. Um, I, you know, I wanted him to, 
you know, we talked and he read the original manuscript and we went over things and, um, you know, so Billy was, Billy was a very, very big part of this. Um, you know, this is, this is his story. You know, I, uh, you know, it's my job was to kind of vet, vet it as best as I could. But at the end of the day, this is Bill's story. Excellent. Matt Birkbeck, always a pleasure. We'd love to talk to you. Thanks for writing the book and uh, appearing on WILK. Thank you. All right. Uh, the Life We Chose, William Big Billy Delia and the Last Secrets of America's Most Powerful Mafia Family. Apparently sold out, though. So there you go. WILK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.